Stop, I gasp, choking on the smell of blood on my skin. Now I understand that metallic taste, the shaking in my limbs. Now I know what the fury tastes like. Blood. Stop, Flynn, please, let them take me. Like hell, he says through gritted teeth. His face is unreadable. He won't listen to me. Right now, I don't have the strength to argue with him. He's made his choice, and if I keep slowing him down, he's going to die for it. I drag myself to my feet, leaning on him heavily. He grunts with effort or pain or acknowledgement, and we set off down the corridor once more. The shakes hit me like a maglev train, ten times worse than on the island Flynn showed me to the east, worse than after my first combat mission, because this is nothing like that. No part of my training told me how to comprehend the massacre of unarmed innocents, of children. My mind is tight and cold, like Flynn's hand around my wrist, and I can't break out through the narrow bands of panic and horror. Everywhere I look, I see blood, smell blood, on my skin, my clothes, in my hair. I fight down my nausea, simply because I can't stop, not while we're running for Flynn's life from people who think he's turned on them. Abruptly, I see the end looming, the point at which I can't function. Exhaustion, shock, guilt, and grief tangled together. It's like a rapidly approaching cliff, and I know that if Flynn pulls me off the edge, I might never find my feet again. I wish he'd just let them have me and go. Anything would be easier than this. And then he does pull me forward, wrapping his arm around my waist and leaping from a ledge. For a wild, confused moment, we're falling. And then we hit frigid water. It closes over my head, and my mind goes numb. In her dream, she's choking, gasping for air where there is none. The vacuum of space closing around her. There are no stars, because there are never any stars here. Only a thick darkness that rushes down her throat and into her heart. She dreams of drowning. I keep an arm around her, struggling through mud and water as I drag her forward. Dimly, I hear McBride shouting some distance back, trying to find someone who can fit through the same crack I pulled Jubilee into. Silent but for soft splashes, we disappear into the dark. I can almost feel Orla with me as I find my way to our rock. She had me rehearse the route so many times when I was a child, so I could get here with my eyes closed if there was ever a raid. The rock is about six feet long and only a couple of feet above the water. Not even Sean knows this secret. I pull Jubilee closer in the water, inspecting her face. There's still more shock than sense there. Bracing myself, trying not to recoil, I cup a hand under Jubilee's chin and turn her face toward me. I keep my other arm wrapped tightly around her, afraid she'll sink beneath the water if I let go. Her eyes open when I squeeze her. 
Jubilee, are you listening to me? She doesn't answer, her eyes darting around in the darkness, panic making her tremble in my arms. Soldier, I bark, keeping my voice as quiet but tense as I can. Her eyes widen, and I watch as the soldier takes over, her chin lifting a little. This rock here is hollow inside. I can pull you, but when we go under, you have to hold your breath. Understand? She nods again, lifting one hand to rest it against the rock for balance and leaving a red smear behind it. The water hasn't been enough to wash the blood away. I suck in a lungful of air, my throat threatening to close or catch in a coughing fit again. The water closes over my head and I keep hold of Jubilee's wrist as I guide her in with me. The water carries the distant shouts of my people directly to my ears until we surface, choking inside my tiny shelter. There's only a small space that's water. The rest is the natural rock and the ledge Orla built for me when I was Fergal's age. I push Jubilee's arms against the rock until she instinctively grabs at it, leaving me free to reach up and fumble in the dark. The netting with emergency supplies is still there, and my heart slows a little in relief. I grab the tiny cylinder of the flashlight dangling from it and turn it on. The beam bounces around the two of us as I help her scramble up onto the little ledge and then crawl up after her. We huddle there in a space meant for a child, her breath coming in sobs. 